As long as there are final exams, there will be prayer in schools. <laughs> Man, thank you for joining us this week. This is the second episode of Like a Man. I invited my father-in-law, Greg Leach, and we discuss humor, dad jokes, and other topics. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, Greg. Knock, knock. Who's there? Nobel. Nobel who? Nobel. So I just knocked. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Uh, What do you call a pudgy psychic? A fortune teller. <laughs> did you did you hear about the kidnapping at school? No. It was fine because he woke up. <laughs> oh man. How many paranoids does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Who wants to know? <laughs> so Greg, real quick. Yeah. Let's talk about humor now that we've warmed up the crowd with our funny jokes. For you. How has humor played a role in your life? Do you remember an experience that just, that was it and you knew that humor was kind of your thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was probably five, I remember uh, we're living in California, Reseda, and my parents had a, a party, which they never had a party. I mean, it was kind of a big deal. They had some neighbors over. And of course, being little, I was confined to my room. And, uh, so I decided to put on my, this brand new fireman's hat that my uncle, my mom's uncle actually, uh, came by, I visited from Washington and came down to California gave me this cool, cool hat, the fireman's hat. It made a siren sound and it, you know, a light, you know, was slashing. It was a pretty cool hat. So I put that on my head and then I went to my parents' room. And I found my mom's bra laying around. So I put that on as well. So I came out of the room just wearing a fire engine hat, fireman's hat, and my mom's bra. And walked into the living room with everybody sitting there. And people were just laughing, roaring um, with laughter. Yeah, except for my dad. He was he was pretty upset. And he didn't think that was at all funny. Uh, I'm not sure what he was thinking, but... Uh, he was pretty upset, but the laughter was just intoxicating. And that's, that's what I remember from that, from that moment. It was just like, this is, this is a cool feeling. And I wish I had a picture from that day. It had to be, had to be ridiculous. Uh, the combination of that, but, uh, it made people laugh. That got you hooked. That rush it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was very, very cool. And, um, yeah, it, it's it's always been something. I, I stuttered as a kid uh, up until I was about 10 years old. I had uh, kind of a tutor uh, specialist that would come in during class time in fourth grade. And she'd come in the class and she'd say, is Greg Leach here? I'm like, oh, yeah, here I am. You know, raise my hand. And I'd be excused from class. So I'd go through speech therapy. I mean, I stuttered really, really bad. It was... Uh, it was to a point where I couldn't answer questions without getting embarrassed. So I took therapy for quite a while. And, uh, but at the same time it, it made, you know, when I did say things, it made people laugh. And part of me was thinking I was funny. I kind of looked at it that way. 
don't know if it was to save my self-esteem or what, but I'm sure they were making fun of me. At the same time, I thought it was being funny. So that kind of came a goal of mine in, in class to kind of be the kid that says funny things. I was very similar to you as far as trying to be the funny one. And then for me, though, kind of what evolved was I realized I laughed at funny people more than I was funny. And even though I would try to be funny, I never was as funny as my friends in high school and stuff. So I loved I loved being around people that could laugh or could make me laugh, if that makes yeah. sense. I think that's why me and you get along so well, because you make Whitney laugh, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and she appreciates your jokes and, and the same way she laughs at you, she'll sometimes laugh with jokes that I say, <laughs> not, not as, not as frequent. But. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not a, since people know, I, I like to have fun. I like to tell stories and whatever and, and get a response. Um, I, I'd get people come to me and, and tell me a joke or tell me a story. And I don't have that gut laugh i don't have it's embarrassing because i, I want to give it they're expecting something in return <laughs> and I'm so disappointed. My, yeah i don't have that and i'll, I'll do a little guttural even a little chuckle but it's it's you know lisa my wife has is you know fantastic so gut, laugh and so when kids want to laugh they go to mom they don't go to me because I, uh-huh. I don't have that and it's it's i'm very i'm jealous and envious of those who have a good gut laugh that's that's why i always wanted that's that's why i love to hear i just can't give it but to me that's the biggest gift you could give someone is the gift of laughter and i just don't have i smile and uh-huh. and i'm not trying to diminish a joke i just i just don't have i don't, I don't have that it's, it's kind of sad really <laughs> see see i think i think that's why people like my coworkers and stuff i mean we'll get going sometimes and to the point where I remember one time I was on a business trip with my coworker and he made me laugh so hard. I remember I almost passed out. Like I was, I was worried I was going to pass out because I was laughing so hard oh, at what funny. he was saying. And, and, and you could tell that that really built that relationship with him. Right. He really liked hearing that. When I was a kid, my, my dad would tell stories, but he would laugh before he got to the punchline. <laughs> okay. And so I couldn't, couldn't quite get the, the whole you know the wrap up on it and drove me nuts and i guess to me i just i didn't like that because it just ruined it for me and so when i was young i would watch johnny carson Mm -hmm. uh, religiously and i did until he he retired his style was very dry very deadpan and you just don't give away the joke you just kind of you know keep it straight and that's what that's kind of I think my style is mostly is more straight. And, and because of that, if I say something at church in a talk that's that's funny, there'll be like a three second pause. Mm-hmm. And then people catch up to it. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not giving it away. I was, you know, to me that there's a little bit of an art to that. And it's that's how I kind of like to do it. I prefer it that way. At the same time, I have this deep voice. And my dad told me when I was young, I mean, I had to be six, seven. He goes, you're going to have to enunciate because your voice is so deep. And so that's always been kind of an issue too, telling stories, telling jokes, make sure I, 
I speak clear because otherwise it ruins the whole thing. I got to share a quick story. When I was on my mission in Ecuador, I was with four missionaries, my companion and myself and the two other, the other companionship. And this one companionship, one of the elders was leaving like soon. And he was really trunky. He wanted to go home really bad. So one night we're about ready to go to bed. And he's just trying to, I was a new missionary, just got in the country like two weeks before. And he's trying to bash on me for being new. But I had this, I had these comebacks and my companion just had this great laugh, Elder Katzenbach, Douglas Katzenbach. We used to call him uh, dogs in front, Katzenbach. <laughs> but he, <laughs> he would, he, yeah, he would, I would say something, but since my voice was low and in the other, you know, I'm so far away from the other missionaries, it'd come off like, oh, no, 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 And then you all you hear is Katzenbach dying laughing. And then across the room, you could hear, what do you say? What do you say? And I'd go, the cats back start laughing again. And and this drove the guy nuts because all I heard was me mumbling. And then he heard cats back laughing and just about drove this guy crazy. And uh, but it was one of my favorite memories was just torturing this guy. But yeah, it's laughter has been a, a, a big, big part. Uh I remember being a fairly new salesman for Johnson and Johnson, you know, as you go into a new office, you really want to make an impression you want to make them, you know, like you. So you, you can see them again and they let you see the doctor and all that. They're very much the gatekeeper, the receptionist. So I remember, you know, saying something that was funny and there's a receptionist was laughing so hard that her teeth fell out no. and landed. Yeah. No way. Counter. And then it became awkward. It went from funny to <laughs> awkward and uh, not so funny. And uh, so anyway, uh, it was, I almost came back the next time with those little wind up chattering teeth. I decided that might, have, <laughs> that, that might be too much. Uh, you have to know your limits, you know, you can't, can't push it too far, but. That reminds uh, me of one of my favorite happy birthday gifts of that grandma turning like a hundred and she blows out the <laughs> candles and her teeth comes out. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a classic. But yeah, um, it's it's always been a, a valuable tool for um, work uh, with relationships. Uh, Lisa, when we were engaged and got married, I said, "What you know?" You always wonder, "What did you see in me?" It's one of those questions. I don't know if it, you know all guys ask that, but you know, was it my good looks? Was it potential to you know be rich? Was it what was it? She goes, "You made me laugh." And I was a little disappointed because that's like, okay, that's it. She goes, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, just And really, truthfully, Lisa is extremely funny. And I remember telling her stories and then she'd kind of twist it and make it even better. Mm -hmm. And she has a knack for that. Yeah, it's uh, she, should, she should be my writer, if anything. But she doesn't like to tell stories or tell jokes. That's not her deep inside. She's She's very creative and very funny. If I were to guess, you got your humor probably from your mom? From my mom, 100%. Okay. Yeah. And my mom, I mean, this is an example of my, uh, I call her Lulu, uh, Luanna Baker, Lulu Baker. She wanted to go out to dinner and, and uh, it was just her and I, and I was lucky enough to be with her a couple of years before she passed away. And she wanted to go to Red Robin. Before the, you know, the dinner came, she, she spent 20 minutes talking about her mammogram. Okay. I'm like, really, mom? Yeah. I, mean, I, I appreciate you feeling like you could tell me anything. 
but you know, I had it canceled by the chicken breast for, for dinner. And just like, <laughs> why, why would you do that? Why would you even, but she just, nothing was off limits. It was crazy. But you know, she's very endearing. She's just never know what's going to come out of her mouth. She was hilarious. That's funny. So Greg, me and you, we send uh, comedian clips to each other every now and then. Who's some of your favorite comedians that you like to listen to? Oh man. Um, Brian Reagan is always good. He's, he's clever. People know who he is. It's, he's one of those that you really have to watch because he's physical too. He's, mm. he's hilarious. He has a gift. Uh, let me see who else, you know, back in the day, Roddy Dangerfield, he has very fast, uh, one-liners, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like those who could, who could weave a good story and, and those that kind of make you think, uh, Stephen Wright is one that is, doesn't really tell stories, but he, he's kind of absurd in his delivery. He's very dry, very monotone. Do you know who Stephen Wright is? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, you need to look him up. He's how he, he's done much lately, and and Norm Norm McDonald is vastly underrated. You can see a lot of YouTube clips on on Conan, and that, he he was Conan's favorite favorite guest, and he was on Letterman. So more Norm McDonald, he'd he'd weave a story for like it seemed like forever, and you could see the host kind of being exasperated a little bit, like you know, does this have a point? And he'd come up with some funny stuff, and 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 he had this this gleam, this impish look, like he didn't really care if he had a punchline or not. He was just happy telling the story, and he got it on the View, and he just drove these four women insane because he was talking about Clinton, how he's a murderer. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> and he knew, and he knew that was going to be a you know a trigger, uh-huh. and they're and they were just squirreling around like they didn't know what to do, and. He just had the smile like he just... He knew what uh, he was doing. Oh, he knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't vulgar. He wasn't not. He was just kind of saying things that knew would that he knew would trigger them. Personally, I can't stand Whoopi Goldberg or, or any of them. Any of them. And, me neither. No, and he was having fun with it. They, they were saying things like, we're going to have to kick off a show. And he just, just had that smile, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love... I mean, he got kicked off of uh, Saturday Night Live. He was the a weekend anchor guy he was very good but he told jokes about uh, oj simpson being a murderer and that wasn't popular with nbc and the executives because the top executive was best friends with oj simpson i have the same habit i know what i'm saying yeah i'm I'm doing it just to get a reaction out of people (laughs) yeah norm mcdonald isn't he in some adam sandler movies he is. He is. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. And he's, yeah, he's, I'm looking him up here and I'm not good with celebrity names, but I'm guilty of the same thing where I go in and I'll, I'll say things or I'll give a big story and I'll just go off and tell this story just to see what people's reactions are. Right. And sometimes, <laughs> and it's funny too, like you can tell the people who get it. And then there's some people who think I'm serious and they like try to, Oh no, no. Like you can't do that. Like one of my favorites that I always tell is when I'm president, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take over Canada. And it's it's going to take me like a day because they're such nice people. And they're such nice people. They'll probably just let me in. Right. And, yeah, and right. They'll, they'll probably just say, okay, and sorry. 
And then, yeah, and, and yeah. then I was saying Mexico is going to be a tougher fight. That's going to take more than a day. That's, that's going to be a little tougher. And, and, and when I'm telling this to people, they're just, their eyes, like some people, their eyes are like, are you serious? You can't do that. You can't just go take over Canada. <laughs> it's like, guys, I'm not going to take over Canada yet. It's kind of, I would say too, humor is a test of intelligence as well. And it's a sign of intelligence, but more importantly, I think with what I read a lot with, for example, with Navy SEALs and everything, a lot of them have good humor. And I think humor helps people get through hard times. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the theory too. There's a lot of Jewish uh, humorists. There, there always have been. You know, a lot of that kind of goes back to the Holocaust and, and what their families went through. And and yeah, I think this kind of pulls people through dark times and and uh, usually behind a humorous, there's there's some sadness. My mom took me to see a doctor when I was not even two, and because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't. Um, she thought I was sick or something, and and the doctor said, "Your boy's fine." He goes, "Do you guys fight?" She goes, "Yeah." My husband yells at me, and you know, quite abusive. And, she goes, you have an unhappy son. Really? And that was, that was kind of his diagnosis. Really? Uh, yeah, it wasn't anything physical. And that might be the reason why I stuttered. I don't know. Who knows? But um, but I think that that had to play a part um, in finding humor, I suppose. Yeah. I didn't think about that until we started talking about uh, a topic of, of sadness behind humor but right. and i i think i think that's where i get it too because when i was going through high school i went through a really hard time uh my freshman year and because before that you know like i went to middle school and middle school was really good experience for me and then I went to the, my freshman year and it turned into a really bad experience because that's when a lot of kids were starting to change. Right. And they were starting to define who they were and making decisions yeah. that I wasn't going to make. And I had this experience that was really hard for me where I wouldn't, I wasn't going to go down the same path. A lot of my friends or classmates were going down and it was hard because it was kind of, I was isolated from everybody. and then. I went and I found these friends and they used humor a lot to get through it. And it lifted me out of that rut. Right. And ever since then, I found out that I wasn't the funny one, but I like to laugh at these guys that I was with. Yeah, like yeah. I can't, I can't remember them laughing at something I would do, but I would always laugh at stuff that they would do. And, and it kind of <laughs> helped me, it kind of helped me get through it. Right. Right. But, um, but yeah, everybody that, that enjoys humor, or if I was gonna go do stand up, and it's been kind of a, I would never do it, but it's it's always been kind of a fancy because I admire people who do that. Jerry Seinfeld, I forgot to mention him, he's always been kind of a favorite because it's observational stuff that he sees in the world. And, mm -hmm. and you know, everyone every day could look at a Seinfeld episode and relate to it because it's just stuff that we see that he made into a story to a joke, mm -hmm. but uh, he, he's incredible uh, at doing that. 
when he first started, I, I've seen tapes of him. He just wasn't that good, but he just was able to master it. And he wrote every day. He wrote stories every day, observations. He just had journals of everything that he just repeated it. He just got down to a, a recital where it was very much disciplined storytelling. You see him on stage, and I just admire people who can be so comfortable up there doing stand-up because you're up there naked. As I was going to say, you ex- you're completely yeah. open. Sure, your humor, which you think is funny, and then you have a cross mix of who know who's who knows who's out there, mm-hmm. and you have to get a laugh out of these people from your little world. And if it doesn't go well, you need a backup. You need to handle that too. And that to me is just when we talk in church, we have they're going to laugh out politeness if nothing else. Right. But you don't get you don't get that in a club. No, no. <laughs> And they'll let you know very quickly uh, if it's going backwards, but it's, it's amazing. You know, something I've noticed too throughout my life is when you're in a, like a position at work or anywhere else of more of influence, people laugh at you more than when you're not. And it's kind of the same. I remember I would go to our Tokyo office and the employees would hear about like the president of our division was coming in. And so I do trainings with them on how to fake laugh at everything he would say just <laughs> no to prep. And I'd say, yeah, and point your finger and say, that is so funny. And so then they would do it. And I do these trainings on how to, how to fake laugh to these bosses and stuff, and we, which, which were some of the funnest trainings I've ever been a part of or ever done in my life. So. Oh, that's hilarious. So Greg, any last parting words? Do you want to, let's read through a couple of these jokes. I'm going to pull them up. Okay. Let's read through some that we didn't read just to give some of the listeners here some more ammo. And just for the record, the main reason I like these is because I get the eye roll from Lisa. I get the eye roll from Matt, especially because they don't consider these as, you know, smart humor. They're so bad. They're they're funny. See, but that's, that's that's the reason you say these jokes, too, is it's more to annoy them. Exactly. It is that's, all, that's all purpose. And that's what they don't get about it. And that's what makes it funny. Right. No, I agree. All right. We'll just read a couple. And I'm going to try not to laugh at these to make it more awkward. What's brown and sticky? A stick. If I do this one, my wife asked me to seek her phone. So I threw it in the ocean. You didn't do that one. That's a okay. good one. I'm going to use that one. Not bad. I'm afraid for the calendar. Its days are numbered. <laughs> oh, did you hear about the guy who froze to death at the drive-in? No. What happened? He went, he went to see clothes for the winter. <laughs> Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it's a soap opera. Oh, why did the man fall down the well? Why? Because he couldn't see that well. <laughs> Well, well, well. Well, well, well. That's a good that's a good dad joke. That's a good dad joke. That's cute. I only know 25 letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. Nice. See, it, it makes you think, right? It you does. Know. And it's a it's yeah. an intelligence test. It's just like just like whenever I meet somebody, I always say, My name is Miles. 
It's the longest name in the world. And I immediately know if they're smart or not because the smart people will laugh and they're like, Oh, I yeah, get it. Yeah, and then the yeah. people, the people who aren't smart are like, that's not the longest name in the world. It's only five letters. My name's longer than yours. And I'm just like, you don't get it. You yeah. Miles. It. Come on. Miles. Come on. It's miles long. I've got a great joke about construction, but I'm still working on it. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, well, thanks miles. Again, this was a really fun episode to record. Just a quick thought as we wrap it up. Something that hit me was the importance of having humor and a good kind of humor too. There is a difference between good and bad and its usefulness in your role as a man. So just keep that in mind. We're going to end this one by listening to a chainsaw chopping some wood. (laughs) 